Russia. Well, I think let's let's start at Christmas, shall we? Because uh, wait, is... hold on though. Out of the four films, what two do you think were on the list? What? Of the top 100 what on list? There. So, so I said to you guys, I gave you four films. Wait, we're going to talk about the four films, yeah? Or are you talking about yeah. saying yeah. it? Yeah. So, out of the four know. films that I gave you to watch, I took, I plucked two of them from a top 100 list I found. By the way, just going to throw it out there, this top 100 list is a load of bollocks because it's got that film that we watched. Um, oh, what's that fucking film we watched? Where it's the little kids running around the motel and shit. Oh, uh, Florida Project. Yeah. So on this top 100 list, the Florida Project is part of it. So out of the four films yeah. I gave you, what do you think of the two on this list? Klaus well, and the Judge, I would say. I was going to say Klaus and Ava. Purely because the gift we established is not on Netflix. Well, uh, okay. well no, 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 no. Okay, you, you can't have it like that because it was on Netflix when this was released. Oh, okay. Well, I would imagine Klaus because I can't imagine you'd have recommended a Christmas film two weeks after Christmas, otherwise. Well, okay. Well, I, well, well, I did recommend it after Christmas. <laughs> I liked it, but it was part of the top of Klaus, and it, regardless, oh, okay. it was, and it was part of it, and the second yeah. one oh. was The Gift. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. So, um, please proceed with what, how you're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Klaus. So, um... This is an animated, Oscar-nominated Spanish Christmas film. Um, But obviously we had an English version, um, which is voiced by Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, Rashida Jones, um, among others. So basically it's an alternative origin story of Santa Claus. Um, So using kind of a fictional kind of Nordic setting, around like a postman who gets stationed out to, you know, but fuck nowhere up north. Um, and it, there's a village with infighting between two clans. Um, and essentially the postman has a target of like 6,000 letters to deliver in a year or something. Um, but no one sends letters. They just fight each other. And he finds a, a tall man with a big billowy white beard who makes toys and decides that through kind of fortuitous circumstances, ends up giving someone a, a toy in response to a letter. Uh, and then all the kids in the town, um, you know, catch on to this, start writing to uh, Mr. Klaus and in return for toys, um, essentially starting the traditions of, of Christmas. Um, I, I actually really like this film. Um, it was sweet. It was, I, I liked the way that they sort of, captured the key parts of a, ch- a child's Christmas certainly with regards to writing letters receiving toys the sleighs the reindeer all of those things they sort of you know they sort of do a little mini origin for all of them um which I found quite cool um it's a nice kind of retelling of it and uh I think it will probably become a bit of a Christmas kind of classic type film um, I quite like the animation style Reminded me in certain regards of of like Disney classics. So when one of the elderly women of one of the clans like has got like a bony finger and there's like a Tim Burton kind of uh, Tim Burton. That's what I, that's what I thought it reminded me of Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah, Tim Burton angle 
on some of it, particularly with regards to like the Gothic setting and you know, mm. areas. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was. I, I I pleasantly enjoyed it. I'm glad because I thought it was a good film as well. I don't. What's your thoughts? I'd be sorry. No, go on, Chris. You go. No, well, because I, I so I got well. Someone watched it and they said it was a good film, so I watched it. And this is prior to me watching the top 100 list. And I was like, oh, I started watching it. I was like, that post, this is going to be a bit naff, isn't it? And it was like, <laughs> I thought it was a really good telling of the story. And I thought it had its um, sad moments. It had its happy moments. And it's a, it's good. Well, it's, I mean, it's a bit adult. It's got Adults could watch it as well. But it's good. I could see why children would like it as well. And um, it's a real like, homely, like, Christmassy film. It's like all round, like, come full circle almost on how things work and I thought the ending was a bit tragic but uh, lovely at the same time because I make the assumption that he passed away and then became Santa Claus after he passed away mm. unless I've misunderstood I yeah, yeah. Nice. so I thought, yeah, I thought it was quite nice oh. yeah um, I'm in complete agreement with the pair of you um, I liked it I wish I'd watched this before Christmas so I feel like I would have been um, cause like to, I was watching it yesterday, but I was kind of like, I liked it and a lot of aspects of it, but I wasn't super into it because obviously Christmas has been and gone. So I think if I'd watched it like a month ago, I would have been really, really like deep into it. Um, I did like it. I think we've gotten to the point now where we've heard, um, and seen about, um, Christmas films, Santa Claus, like everything like that where I will appreciate any story that tries to do a different take on the Santa Claus story. Um, mm-hmm. So I appreciate this. Obviously, like Glenn, like you said, they do different origins about everything, the letters, the the reindeer, uh, going down the chimney, um, like the um, the flying sleigh, all that stuff, which I think is cool. With like, and obviously it starts as like children spreading rumours. Like, oh, I saw, this, I saw the reindeer fly, blah, blah, blah. And that becomes like folklore, which I think is really cool. Um, yeah. Actually, that was really good. Actually, mm. uh, yeah. And um, yeah, no, I, I think it's just, it is a it is a, a a good film. I don't know. I think then did you say that it would be like a did you say cult classic or did I, I'm making that up? I I just think it would maybe be a Christmas classic. I I, yeah, no, I I hear you, but I feel like um, not enough people know or will know about this film because even throughout all of Christmas I'd never heard this film or seen it on any list on Netflix trending or anything like that this year and last year because I think it came out in 2019 right? Did it? Yeah. I think so. So I think it's a shame I don't know if it's because maybe maybe it's because it's Spanish or something originally Spanish I don't know maybe that's why it got something to do with it but it's it's a shame because it is a good it is a good film Um, and yeah I just appreciate a a good story and I think it's told a good story um, I was hmm. thinking or hoping that uh, when they were talking about the feud between the two families, I thought maybe that might—I thought that maybe that was like a metaphor for another story, a metaphor for something else. But um, I haven't looked it up, but I don't think it is. Um, it was—I I thought it was funny that like um, I kind of just made it up in my head. So like one of the families' um, side was Crumb, the other one was Ellingbow. And if you put like kind of put it together, you could get like crumbo. So you bring out like crumbo at like Christmas. Oh, that's pretty <laughs> cool. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> that was just like um, something I thought of in my head. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's a good film. I enjoyed, I enjoyed myself watching it. I also liked they they sort of paid respect to the the, the Sammy people 
of like like Finland and places like that. Um, I had so no you, idea. I had no know, idea who they were. So me. I mean, I don't know much about them at all. But um, yes, yeah, so the, the the northern Sami people are like the northern parts of Norway, Sweden, Finland, like well, basically Lapland as well. And I mean, even on Wikipedia, they've got a picture of traditional Sami people, and they have the colourful blue with the red trimmed outfits, which they depict quite a lot in this film, which I think mm. is just a nice touch. Mm. Um, annoyed me that they didn't have subtitles for the little Sammy girl, though. Because <laughs> I was yeah. like, what is she saying? I want to know what she's saying. I, I was wondering, I didn't know if um, Jasper knew what, actually knew what she was saying or not, if he was just talking to I himself. Don't think she, I don't think he did. Yeah. It was funny, though. But yeah, it was, a, it was a, a pleasant surprise, to be honest, because I think I was sort of like, oh, another Christmas film, Jingle Jangle, didn't really float my boat, but this one, yeah. Good shout. Um, I like the like the um the underlying theme where like uh basically one good deed one truly selfless act contributes to another truly selfless act so kind of the theme of like you know be good to people and people will be good back to you that kind of thing I like that little yeah. thing they put in there like yeah. and also the, the the bit where where the little bully gets a lump of coal I was like ah oh, that's so clever yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I've always so, little, like, they didn't really explain, the only thing they could have explained more is why the two families still wanted to fight each other. But just, that's, just me, that's me nitpicking. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where they just do it because it's always been done. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose but, that ties in quite well with Christmas then, isn't it? Because what is the reason for it? Tradition, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So from one one film about gifts to another. Mate, uh, oh, okay. Fair enough. Like that's a, a sick segue. Like that's a segue. No, no, no I, said, I, said, I was going to say something, but you did a sick segue, so well played, well played. Oh, sorry, you can come back to it afterwards. Um, in the other top 100 of Netflix, uh, which was on Amazon Prime, is... <laughs> quickly, sorry, 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 quickly, quickly. <laughs> this top 100, top 100 of what? Films ever? Um, it says, at the very top of this list, oh my god. No, it doesn't say that, sorry. It says... Oh. Um, it says 100 best movies on Netflix ranked by oh, Tomato okay. Meter January 2021. Okay, fair enough. So it's Rotten Tomatoes best 100. Is it American Netflix? It might be American Netflix. Be American. Because, like, I, I can tell you what's top of this list if it, it will help. Well, no, I told, you what's top, I told you what's top of this list, and you said you, you wouldn't watch it. What was it? Um, that scary film, um, His House. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Apparently got 100%. <laughs> no. The next one. The, I really, the, I saw that film. The top, the top five are His House, Crypt Camp, A Disabilities Revolution, uh, Dick Johnson is Dead, The Square Al Medan 2013, and Shirkers, Shirkers, S H I R K E R S. Shirkers. I've never heard of any of those, to be fair, apart from the first uh, one. No, nah, the the the, the sev- one in seventh is Ladybird with ninety nine percent. Okay, yeah, I think it's American because I don't think Ladybird's on. Yeah, on I don't think Ladybird's. Yeah, and then Moonlight's ninth. But so yeah, yeah. we don't have that, do we? But anyway, the gift uh, is a two thousand fifteen psychological thriller film written and directed and starring Joel Edgerton, um, with Jason Bateman and Rebecca Hall as a couple who basically move into. Uh, Jason Bateman's character's old neighbourhood, um, by a house, 
um, and moved back from Chicago. And then they basically bump into Joel Edgerton's character, Gordo, um, used to know Simon from back in the day and just starts being very friendly and giving them gifts, little gifts that, you know, loads this film turns a bit more sinister. Um, it kind of comes to light. Uh, Simon used to bully Gordo and spread a rumour about him that um, led to Gordo basically being ostracised and beaten up by his dad. People thought he was gay. Um, and yeah, it's sort of like a retribution style film, but in not a typical way. It was more kind of uh, insidious than that. Just like what started out as looking, you know, uh, niceties turn a bit, by the end of it, very dark. Mm. Um, it's not your typical horror thriller film. I thought it was quite um, reserved. Um, but, I mean, I don't want to give my opinion first. So I don't want to always do that. So, Obi, as someone... I know this isn't necessarily a horror film, but maybe you would have thought it was from the description and the poster and the trailer. So mm. what did you think of it? Um, I think it's a decent film. Um, there are a few issues I have with it, um, but on the general basis of it, I think it's it's pretty good. Um, it's not Like I say, it's not my normal sort of film. I don't really watch these sorts of like thrillers and stuff like that, but it was not scary to me so that's good <laughs> so um I, I enjoyed it in that sense but um i think in general i like how the story developed um in a thing where like you immediately assume that gordo is uh planning something sinister and then you kind of flip that to okay this husband is actually the bad guy in all of this and then it comes meets in the middle and it's like to, both of these are kind of like pieces of work so um, I like that aspect of it um, one thing I didn't like about it was how the wife was a victim in all of this um, I felt kind of bad for her to be honest with you um, I didn't really enjoy that and this character Gordo kind of using I mean he's a psychopath but so fair play but kind of using her for just like sadistic uh, retribution against somebody who wronged him, fair enough, but like she did nothing wrong to you, she was nothing but nice to you and you yeah. might you might have raped her, I don't know because no one knows, you might have raped her which I think is super fucked up but obviously that's the point of the yeah. film um, uh, Yeah, that's quite problematic isn't it, punishing an innocent woman, yeah. particularly in that way I, to, to get I was going to say, there's a part of this film I didn't, there's a part of this film which I didn't I don't know if I've misconstrued a part of this film. Go on. So, like, we so like we learn that obviously he's been bullied by this guy. I, I'm pretty sure I clocked onto this before the film announced it. I'm sure most people and, did. Um, and then they talk about him getting was it sexually abused in the car? Yeah. That was a lie, though. Yeah. I almost took it as if the bully sexually abused him. And well, that's... I don't know where I are, he, but I, She asks the chiropractor that, doesn't she? Yeah, and he says no. And he says that he just made it up just because he could. So I but, took... Yeah. I, I did go down that line of thinking as well, Chris, to be fair. Okay. Okay. 
um, before the chiropractor said what he said. But um, just to round up my thoughts quickly before you two get into it, um, I I found Jason Bateman's performance kind of weird up until about halfway through the film when he basically really turns into like the bad guy. From then onwards, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, this is fun. Um, and I like the twist of how this guy's just like a master manipulator and a, and like a, just a massive prick who do whatever it takes to win. I, I, I like that. Um, and I suppose in the end, in the beginning, he is quite an unassuming character and you find out that he was a bully, X, Y, Z, da, 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 da. But I thought for the like, first half of this film, he it looked like he wasn't really trying to act. I don't know if anyone else felt that way. I just prefer he's, his, maybe it's just the way character, his character was. Character was really nonchalant and I feel like the way he was saying his lines, he just seemed super like lazy and like, oh God, like, can I just say this next line and then we get on to the next scene? Like, I don't know. If I, it was really weird. It just felt strange to me. Maybe that's the way he was directed to, to, to you do You know what? I, I find he does that a lot. Like, mm. so what's that really famous series he's in? I can't remember what the name of it is. Uh, Arrested, Arrested Development. No, sorry. Ozark, sorry. Oh, oh yeah. I feel like he's quite like that in there. Until mm-hmm. until the moments where he needs to shout or really express himself, I feel like he's really monotone and can't be bothered. Mm. He, yeah, uh, that is essentially his his style, which I quite like. He's basically a bit of an everyman in a lot mm. of regards. Um, but he also, I find him quite smarmy, just yeah. in general. Like, he's... He's got an arrogance to him, and I don't yeah. know whether that's just him as a person or just the way he acts, but I think it lends itself really well to the character of Simon because, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Like, in the first, there's something off about him in the first bit. You're like, this guy is really up himself, isn't he? You yeah. know, um, just the way that he's got really no time for Gordo and and straight away he's like, oh, fuck's that guy? What a weirdo. And, and just like, you know, bad mouths in behind his back. You sort of mm. do feel a bit bad for Gordo. Um, I, I like the fact that he's playing against hype um, mm. because essentially he doesn't really change the way he acts from like the character he plays in um, Arrested Development or Game Night or something else. It's just basically the material that he's given. So he's quite quite easy for him to flip between being like, oh, he's just an everyman to, oh, he is an everyman, but he used to be an arsehole. Mm. Um, and I think it's, I find it interesting the way that it explores kind of not that fully, but the way that, you know, someone who was bullied, their trauma and also, I guess, bullying in an adult perspective. Because you when I would just assume bullying just happens in the playground sort of thing. Mm. But, you know, when he beats up Gordo after he's done the pub quiz, he, that is a adult bullying. And it no, he's, really, he's, 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 I he's feel like he's, 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 yeah, yeah, he's yeah, social buff. But like, he's he's one of those people like it's a bully through and through. Like, mm. it's his natural demeanor to bully someone to make himself feel bigger and better than someone. Mm. Um, even the even the bit with the fr- when he writes weirdo on the fridge instead of Gordo, yeah, and you're just like you're a dick, man. Like, yeah, like, grow <laughs> up. Like, there's yeah. people who bully and they like grow up. Mm. They realize, oh, okay, maybe that was a bit wrong. We're adults now, but he's like a bully. Yeah, like, he takes it as like that all that winner winners and losers crap yeah. that he was saying like near the end. Yeah. And like when he's taking the piss out of him in his own home, I'm like, come on. Well, I mean, <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah. but like really, like there there probably is people like that as well, which is kind of sad. Yeah. I'll ask you guys a question. Do you think that um, 
So you know, obviously, Gordo writes a letter. He says, "I was willing to let bygones be bygones." Do you think he? Do you think he meant that, or do you think he was always planning to do something sinister? Mm-hmm. In I... terms of film content, he probably was always going to do it. But I, you thought I felt like there was a bit of genuinity from his approach to them, and I feel like the dismissiveness of oh, I've forgotten who the actor's called. Uh, sorry, the main guy, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Yeah. His dismissiveness really just as soon as the, he dismissed him, I feel like it was game on basically. Mm. Mm. So then it all depends. It really all depends, like what actually did happen between them when they were younger. Because the moment, the thing that got me, the thing that made me think that rape, he had raped him, was the point in the hospital where they're having a conversation. I can't remember the exact words, but it was almost like you did this to me. So this is what I did to your wife. That's almost how I pictured it. As he said something, but I can't remember what he said. I'm going to look it up actually now. I think he was more... Oh, like... oh go on, go on, go on, sir. Oh, it's, I think it's going to say the same thing, but I took that more, you created a scenario which something didn't believe, and I've now done that, because mm. he basically says to him, you know, I didn't rape her, or did you are never going to know if that child is mine or yours. You know, you can. He says something like, "Whatever you choose to believe, the Lord will that seed of doubt," or something like along those lines. Mm. Which, yeah, yeah, I agree. I said that's what I was going to say. I kind of took it more of just a thing where, like, not that he raped him. It's more of just a thing like, "You did this thing which ruined my life, and now I'm going to do this thing which ruined your life." Like eye for an eye, all that stuff. And he says it. He says the beginning of the film, "Eye for an eye." I wonder. Yeah. I can't reading, quite remember back to the beginning. I think. If I'm reading stuff. I think a lot of, I think a lot of the Gordo's intentions depends on whether the first meeting between them is accidental or not. Because yes. I can't quite remember if he was. I feel like that in the background, right at the beginning of the film, you sort of see him hanging around outside. And if it's just a fortuitous meeting, then I imagine it would be genuine. But if if he's already kind of been stalking him on Facebook or whatever prior to the events in this film and knows he's going to be at that depth of that super and from there then I imagine it's a bit more sinister but mm. I like the fact that this film has an element of ambiguity and doesn't rely on jump scares because there is a mm. it is a little bit kind of unsettling but I do think it's problematic the way that they use um, Rebecca Hall's character who you know yeah. has gone through her own trauma um, they use her as the, basically the punishment for Jason Bateman's character. I think that's, yeah. yeah. So, that's the, so that's the issue out of it. Yeah, that's, I think that's what, just reading just now, like, it's like loads of people love this film, but the ending, a lot of people think it's like a real sour note to the whole film. Mm. Um, but then the title is The Gift. So is the gift that he's given him a child? is the gift all those gifts he gave him like mm. yeah, I mean like, it depends how you read it isn't it I, mm. I was, yeah I yeah to be fair I like the ambiguity of that I was going to say as well that like um I wasn't sure how I like what how I really felt about the whole um obviously there's an inference that um Rebecca Rebecca no her name's Rob, not Rebecca Robin. was it Robin that's the one um how Robin had some sort of miscarriage or lost a baby beforehand and that kind of sent her into a, a damn spiral, I'm assuming alcohol and drugs because she doesn't 
um, drink and they say the thing about obviously her taking the pills from her from her neighbour's house. Um, and I, I suppose it probably leads to the paranoia that she experiences when Gordo isn't isn't there. Um, but I was just kind of like, do we need these scenes of her like taking pills and shit, and then him having a go at her for taking the pills? I, I was thinking like you could have, I feel like you could have just cut this out, and she could just be paranoid off the back of being paranoid because it, she is in a very peculiar situation. I don't really know if you needed yeah. the, the whole drugs bit in there. Yeah, I think if I this was written, I think if this was written and directed by a woman, it would have treated the the mis, you know, the kind of trauma from miscarriage a lot more sensitively, and definitely the ending would have happened. Um, yeah, go on, Chris, what are you going to say? I was going to say, I just feel like he was a monster from the start. If I'm thinking about this, like Jason Bateman. Yeah, like he had no remorse. He didn't want. To, he didn't really look after his wife properly. It's just a load of like, like. But she, at the same time, she should have spoke up a bit more because, like, there was the scene where she fell on the ground. She was, she woke up in bed, and mm. there was no questionability of why she was in bed. Mm. If that's even a word, sorry, it's not even a word. But like, no one questioned why she woke up in bed. Yeah, I think she. But, I, I'm assuming my assumption is that she assumed that what's his either she didn't remember, or that she or there are some. Her assumption is that um, Simon saw her on the floor. <laughs> And decide to put her in bed, but even then, as I'm saying it, that sounds ridiculous. Fair as I'm it. saying it, uh, it's like yeah. I don't know. Like she, it's hard. It's a hard one, but yeah. But I thought it was, I thought it was a good film. Just, just very different to what I normally watch. Um, well, I thought it was a good film as well. But what I find really stupid is that it's established that Simon works for a security company who are going into home security, and yeah. at no point with all of the suggestions that Gordo has been in their property does he install any sort of home security system? yeah okay, <laughs> I was just like that is dumb also I think sorry this is just a completely not not uh, not relevant topic but I really hate that house that they're in I hate houses that, that bare glass and you can see everything that everyone's doing in the house I think that's nuts yeah and yeah that pisses me off <laughs> houses like that I think are so it's shit curtains, man. yeah must be the most easiest thing to break into. Honestly, like that like one geezer threw a rock or whatever and br- shattered the whole fucking side of the house. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. who's the who's the dumb? Like he is the dumbest. He he must be. He, like they must have made this character envisioning him to think he was in. He, he's indestructible because he sent the email from his own fucking account. Don't work in my house. Oh. Um, like yeah, he got caught red-handed for being naive. Like. Yeah. Really? Like, come on. Yeah. I think it comes back to arrogance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can't think of a good segue, I'm sorry. Which of the other three films <laughs> do you guys want to discuss? I feel like we should discuss Ava first. Because, okay. in my personal opinion, the judge was better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. So, Chris, uh, I'll, do you want to be honest, this is the stinker of the four. Like, it's not stinker, but it's like... It's the worst of the four. Yeah, yeah. it's you, the worst of the four. Do you want to give us a brief synopsis? Um, yeah, it's about a woman who works for an agency as a, a secret agent, I guess. Assassin, okay. Assassin, and basically she does something slightly wrong and the leader of the group wants her dead. Can, I lead, can I lead on this one? Yeah. Please do. I just want to talk about quickly. The, so I feel like, firstly, I would say that 
I think the premise of this film uh, is good, and I think this film had a lot of potential to be really quite good, which annoys me because it's not good. Like it's it's average, but like it's not good by any stretch of imagination. Um, I think that Jessica Chastain is good in it in most most parts, um, but I just think there are massive chunks of this film that you need to that they need to they should have cut out and put in something completely different. They're so like. This woman, Jessica Chastain's character, she's um, she's an assassin who you can tell from I think her first meeting with John Malkovich's character. I can't remember his name. Uh, it doesn't matter. But um, he talks to he talks to her about her talking to her clients before she kills them, which is clearly something that she's not supposed to do. So they allude to the fact that she had some sort of uh, mental breakdown or some sort of she she herself needs to be able to. Um, make it so that morally in her mind what she's doing is okay so she justifies it by saying you must have done something really bad so me killing you is fine me killing you is okay which is cool but then they don't show us what event sparked that to happen for her um, what caused her to to leap to join this um, and train to be an assassin then to start killing people and then to get develop a problem with killing people like we miss out all of that and we just skip right to the end where She's back on the job, but she's still got that doubt in her mind, which I didn't like. I feel like they should have given us more background to flesh out her character, her uh, her character in the film. And then you've got um, her coming back home to see her, I would say, a strange family because she left them, like, and then she never saw them ever again um, for like eight years or whatever. And then she comes back. She finds her mum, who she doesn't get on, on with, her sister, who's going out with her ex boyfriend. Um, and everything about the family dynamic, the family scenes, the boyfriend, there's a boy, the boyfriend's like into some, played by Common, um, who's into something with like gambling and then her like, um, and the ex-boyfriend having a bit of like sexual tension, her and her sister having tension because of the ex-boyfriend. All of that is garbage. Garbage. They should have thrown all of that in the bin and put in something else in there, like background story, more fighting, anything. Uh, more scenes with John Malkovich, whatever. Um, so that's my biggest issue with the film. Second biggest issue with it, not enough Colin Farrell in this film. Colin Farrell is really good. John Malkovich is really good in this. Two of them together are really good. Um, we don't get any background about this com- this company or thing that they've started, which I think is crap because it sounds interesting, like that they um, put in, kind of like Six Underground, I think, they um, that film where they like kind of like secretly kill certain people to topple certain governments and start coups and all that shit, which sounds really cool, but they don't go into it at all. Colin Farrell is the leader, supposedly, of this organisation. They make it well known that Jessica Chastain is one of the best, or probably the best assassin that they've got on record. He goes to kill her with no backup, no getaway car. What kind of leader of an organisation pours that, plans that so poorly, and he dies at the end of the film? I think that's fucking ridiculous. That's just terrible writing. Um, so yeah, the film had potential, but it's really not very good. That's Wait, pardon. Did I miss a part of this film? He died. Yeah, she kills him. What? She kills him. Shoots him in uh, in the underpass. Yeah. What the fuck? Um, then, under that motorway uh, bridge. Yeah, and then the daughter, the daughter, and then the daughter's after her. This film it annoyed me because what? I think like, I you had say... such a good, you had such I a good premise. Yeah, I missed that massively. So <laughs> he treats his daughter like shit as well. Yeah, yeah. Absolute shit. Um, so my thoughts, if you don't mind, Chris, um, are much similar to yours, Obi. 
has a lot of potential. Has what I like about it is that it tries to add an element of humanity to assassins, mm. which I don't think you get that often in film. Um, a lot of them are quite, I don't know, um, not one-dimensional, but it's just sort of like they're a bit robotic in a sense. But you know, the fact that she does try and moralise it in her head, I found interesting. Could have explored it a bit more. Um, I think, think they make a point with regards to Colin Farrell's character, who's called Simon. You know, he says that he was Duke's first apprentice, and then somehow he's managed to get to the top of that company, which again I find interesting with regards yeah. to how he has surpassed his mentor. But yeah, and he's supposed to be, you know, Don number one and gets fucked up quite easily. Also, in the like the closing moments of the film, when he's like hobbling along the bridge, there doesn't seem to be. I know he's hobbling, but there doesn't seem to be too much no, urgency. No urgency whatsoever. He like falls onto the sand, you know, climbs over, falls onto the. <laughs> and pile he thinks, of sand. oh yeah, I've done it now. I've got away from it. <laughs> yeah, he just sort of like stops. <laughs> oh god, this is so stupid. It's so, so dumb. Yeah, so there's a lot, a lot of potential, but it doesn't, um, oh. doesn't kind of capitalise on it. I think there's some really poor editing. Um, particularly there's a scene where Ava is running in one location and then there's a cut and she's standing still in a different location which just jarred so much. Um, I also think there's elements which I guess with the context of John Wick I was sort of like are they trying to do a recreation of this which they don't to a very good extent. You know you've got like the gambling den where Common's character is into some money and I was like is that trying to be like a continental hotel type thing I wasn't sure initially that's what I thought because I was like is this a place where all the the crooks come and you know I thought maybe she'd meet other I thought Common's character would turn out to be an assassin but he wasn't um Fucking idiot, well. it was just that whole point part was just pointless um, he's a bad actor as well Common I like fuck me <laughs> <laughs> he's not a good actor um sorry continue um yeah, and, and I was just... yeah. I like some of the fight scenes, I will say that. Sorry to interrupt you again. I like some of the fight scenes. Yeah. It, it was okay. It's like an action film. Mm. Um, but yeah, it doesn't... I mean, it doesn't explain... There's a lot, a lot of questions, and I'm like, would have liked to have just known a bit more about it. Um, yeah. You know... I, yeah, go on, sorry. Is this company exclusively just Jessica Chastain, John Malkovich, and, and Colin Farrell? Mm. Or are there more? Presumably, there'd be loads, but I don't know. And also, I found it just strange, like, the bit with um, with the girl uh, at the end where she's, like, following Jessica, Ava. She's following Ava, obviously trying to avenge her dad. And I was just like, why is this bit in here? Like, is this for, like, to lead to a sequel? Because, like, I wouldn't watch a sequel film just about this girl chasing Ava. I'm like, what? And uh, I don't know. Or was it just to say, oh, kind of like everybody gets to come up with this kind of thing? So she was going to kill Ava. If if then that's it, why not just put it, her in the thing, just killing her, and then you show us that? I uh, 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 this film annoyed me. Uh, you can tell uh, <laughs> by the sound of my voice, some annoyed me quite a bit. And yeah. I think like there were films that like Atomic Blonde, for example. Like um, there is a space for um, films with leading women that are like assassin heavy stunt type films which I think this film tries to be 
but it doesn't accomplish it anywhere near as much, I don't think, as like Atomic Blonde, for example, did. I'm trying to think of another example, but I can't think of one. Um, Red Sparrow? Red Sparrow. Yeah, I like Red Sparrow, to be sure. But yeah. I think, yeah, I think this is, there's too, too perfunctory. There's too much, like, there'll be action and then there'll be, like, a long time without any action and just, like, her personal life and her sister and stuff. Yeah. And it was just too, it didn't flow and it was too stop-start. Mm. Um, so I was a bit frustrated with it, to be honest. I find it strange uh, as well. It's just a random aspect of it. Do you know? Do you remember the bit where the the assassin, the French one, I think it's French, tries to tries to kill her. She comes up from she hides in the pond, whatever. Comes up from the pond, and kills him. Yeah, and she's mm-hmm. like she's like really wet and stuff. She goes back to the hotel. She cleans herself off, goes back to the hotel, and people are staring at her as she's walking into her room, presumably because she's really wet, right? You get that. And then the scene after she um kill look, uh, she pays off Common's gambling debt. She's like covered in blood, and then you don't see her come up, come up to her hotel. You just see her walk straight into her room. Why wouldn't you cut the bit with the water? Because who gives a fuck if someone walks in the room wet? People would obviously be like, "What the fuck?" If somebody walks in with blood all over their clothes and face, why not show that bit instead? <laughs> Wouldn't that make much more sense? Yeah, I yeah. don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. I'm back yeah. now. Cool. What were your thoughts on Ava then, Chris? Um. Like it wasn't a bad film, but was it, like get like it's pretty generic every time I say this, but it wasn't a good film. It's like it's like it's probably one of those films where I'd say it's just above what well you'd call I'd say an average score for a film is is a six, maybe a seven, no a six, while the actual average is a five, and I'd say it's slap bang in the middle of a five and a six. Um, I don't think I was engaged. I didn't really care for her um, as a character. And she was more invested in the organisation itself, the feud between, uh, is it John Malkovich, you said? Yeah. And Colin Farrell? Yeah. I agree. Cause I don't think, they, I don't think, they, sorry to interrupt you really quickly, I don't think they, could, they did a good job of making you feel engaged with her character. No, exactly. But like, their story and their organisation story, I would have preferred to hear about, personally. Yeah. And yeah. If, if this was a sequel film, it would make more sense. Yeah. Because, like you said, like there's no background about her past assassinhood. Uh, there's no real um, order to how Colin Farrell got into his position. Mm. I didn't give a shit about her relationship with that guy, nor with her sister. Jesus. It was just added content that I didn't need. Yeah. The admiration for her from her mum suddenly very nice touch but again no real context as to why she wouldn't have done that prior mm. um besides the fact she left them for a while i mean everyone grows up and some people do go away i don't know if it de- makes them have absolute detest towards them mm. um I think she, was a, she was a drug addict in that before so i think there was always tension uh, because, right. of, because of that but uh, she's she's a drug addict because she saw her dad cheat and then her dad I think oh, she was, no, sorry. She she was, was drug-headed before that, and she, um, the reason why she didn't say anything because she knew that people wouldn't believe her if she told that told on her dad because she was a drug addict. Yeah. Oh right, okay. Oh, I didn't, I didn't catch that bit. So uh, I was in the same thought process as Glenn. Uh, um, but I would like to know a bit more about not his gambling addiction, but her tie-ins with that lady. Yeah. Who is she? Don't know. <laughs> Who is she? It would have been so stupid. To find out. Oh. It would have been really interesting to find out. Um, 
yeah, actually, I do remember that sand scene with Colin Farrell. I don't know how I forgot about it. Because um, I also thought, why has he stopped? Um, <laughs> is he an yeah. idiot? Um, I also thought, was it really necessary for Colin Farrell to kill John? I think he, he, he had to kill her because otherwise... Not, not him. Kill him, sorry. Kill, yeah. kill John Malkovich because... Um, he would have gone and defended her and told exactly, her. Exactly. I get, yeah, I get it. But, like, yeah. I mean, the, some, the fight scenes were fairly decent, fairly yeah. good. I, I enjoyed the fight between the two men. I enjoyed the fight between her and uh, Colin. I enjoyed the fight with her and the eight, um, the, the, the gambling lady. Yeah. Um, so the fight scenes are good. And I even like the beginning bit the, where she was killing all those soldiers. I thought yeah. that was Although I did wonder how she was getting away with it so well, because surely outside the building that big there would have been cameras, and she had <laughs> nothing covering her face. Um, That's true. But yeah, like assassin part of the film, good. Rest of the film, yeah, not yeah. so. Good. <laughs> like, and there was a thing. My last thing, sorry, Kristen, you. My last thing is just that. I acknowledge they put the um the little flashback uh like clips news I think like newspaper clips or something like that in it to tell us kind of like her background. Um but they should have showed us that. And I don't think it would have taken much screen time for it to just show us a couple scenes of that. That was my that's my last thing, so Yeah, I mean for for a film that's what how long was it? It was like an an hour and a half. Was it an hour and a half? Yeah, it was an hour and thirty seven yeah. minutes. Really? It felt so much longer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. This is what I mean. Like, they could have probably added an extra 10, 15 minutes and they could have got a lot of context out of it that they otherwise don't have. Uh, oh, it's got 17% rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. That is nuts. Sorry, uh, carry on. Well, oh god, there's a question here. Will there be an Ava 2? Uh, hope not. Well, from a, a film that is a tight 137 to a film that's a not so tight 2 hours 20. The Judge. See, so, I, so I'm so i just going to throw out there. The reason I recommended or, or I suggested The Judge is because I've always actually wanted to see it, but I've just never put the time in to watch it. But to be fair, been... it has been on my sitting on my list for quite some time. Yeah, like mm. I've wanted to see because I don't think I, off the top of my head right now, bar Sherlock Holmes, which I actually haven't watched him in, or Doctor Doolittle, which I haven't watched him in. I can't think of a film where I've wanted to watch Robert Downey Jr. outside of the MCU. Can I say what might have helped with with that aspect of it is that he plays he's Iron Man in this. <laughs> And which makes me think I don't I can't think of many um Robert Downey Jr. films I, I've seen outside of MCU, but it reminds me of Ryan Reynolds in a in the sense where when he just plays himself, he's just very charismatic and 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 he's good. So yeah. he's he, he yeah. is Tony he's Tony Stark in this film, but just a yeah. judge, but just a lawyer. Yeah. yeah, I mean he he's in the film Zodiac and that I think predates the MCU, so two thousand seven, and. He he is Tony Stark in that as well. Essentially, is it a good film? I like it. It's okay. a very slow burner. Maybe um, yeah, that's that's about two hours and a half as well. And it's, but it's got Mark 
Gruffalo in as well, so there's a MCU connection. Oh, and Jake there. and Jake Gyllenhaal. So yeah, <laughs> everyone eventually becomes part of the MCU. Um, it's inevitable. But yes, the Judge. Um, so this is a film um, about daddy issues um, with some middle-aged men. Um, it stars Robert Downey Jr., um, Robert Duvall. Uh, Robert Duvall is the patriarch. Uh, he's a judge, Palmer. Um, he's the father of Henry Hank Palmer, who's played by Robert Downey Jr. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio, who is um, Kingpin um, in their Fuck, Daredevil. Fuck, that is him! Glenn. Oh, shit! Ben, you've um, my mind. <laughs> <laughs> plays Glenn Palmer, although Glenn with one end, not two. Uh, Come on, I don't think at all, you know. Wow. <laughs> um, David uh, Dale, sorry, is the other brother who has some learning difficulties. And Billy Bob Thornton is uh, the prosecutor. So essentially, it starts with Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Hank. He's like a, he's a top lawyer, defends the, uh, the scum because innocent people can't afford him, I think he says. Um, and receives news that his mum died um, and he has to go back to his family home. He has like a strained relationship with his father um, who's the local judge in like a kind of middling town in I don't know, middle America. can't remember the state. Indiana. Um, Indiana. Uh, so essentially it's about like, their family dramas and then his father um, Judge Palmer is accused of killing, uh, running someone over who he kind of presided over a case previously and made some sort of mistakes. So there's like a whole thing about, is it, was it on purpose? Um, you know, and kind of chronicles the trial. Um, Hank represents him, even though they've got kind of a, a difficult relationship. Um, and in essence, and then there's just a bit of random incest thrown in. Oh, yeah. I was thinking, oh, yeah. I was watching that thinking like... Like what? Why'd you write this bit in? <laughs> yeah, she could have easily just—he could have easily just been someone else's random fucking daughter. Why'd it have to be your brother's? Like, what I was yeah. thinking, like, why did they write that? What was what was the purpose of that? Nasty. Anyway, that's the thing. Like, I don't I think this is based on the truth. It's like you never know what could happen when you go away. I guess, but it is yes. very. very... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that—that's my biggest problem with this film. Um, is. It's not based on a true story, even if it was. You have chosen to make the fact that he gets off of his niece, like, yeah. strange. Does he uh, think her? I don't think so. Does he what? Does he sleep with her, I said. Oh, no. no, no, no. And also, does, does, he, does she know? No. Okay. Well, that's technically the mum's not fault for not saying anything as well, but... Good. But yeah. Anyway, I, I just, made, that was so made. strange that part. Very, and very odd choice. Um, choice. I liked this film. I quite like a legal drama. Um, I also found Robert Downey Jr. Uh, his chemistry with Robert Duvall engaging, watchable. Um, I just think it was a bit long. I, I agree. It needed to be two hours twenty. Uh, I also. Um, think that the, the, there's not a lot of uh, diversity in this film. It is just about men, essentially middle-aged white men 
talking out their problems. There are very few women, even fewer kind of people of other, you know, races in this, which uh, I just think, <laughs> I mean, you know, any one of the other characters could have been any, you know, but that's, I guess, that's a wider problem about Hollywood. But I thought it was strong performances. Um, yeah, just a film about daddy issues, essentially what I boil it down to. What What were your thoughts about it? Um, Chris and Obi. Chris, you want to go first? Yeah, sure, why not? Um, it was like a, almost like a redemption film, like a coming together of a family, I feel. Uh, like, obviously, there were some issues between the father and the son that we don't really get too alluded to until the very end. Like, we know there's issues, but we don't really know what the issues are until nearest, nearest the end, in my opinion. I, mm. I could have think. Um, but it's just a, basically a story of someone, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, learning that everything's not so black and white, and there are other issues surrounding things, I guess. And that, uh, how do I put it? It's a really hard one to, to put into words. Um, well, actually, well, I'll just say it like this. I did, I enjoyed the film personally. Again, I agree, it was very long. There was a lot of character building, which is always good, but maybe there was too much, too many different angles to build the character in. Like, you had his brother's relationship, you had his homely, home relationship with his kid and his wife, or ex-wife, his father's relationship, and the relationship he has with the courtroom, basically. Um, I thought it was quite good how the dad didn't want the world to know about his his cancer and no his is it can, yeah cancer cancer yeah how he's losing his mind but then Robert Downey Jr. essentially at the very end has to tell everyone otherwise his father's going down for murder mm. um I don't know if I necessarily like or dislike the fact that we don't know if he actually did commit murder uh, well I think I feel like it's pretty like one thing's uh, sorry because I should I let you continue sorry no go on go on go on well, I'll just say one of the things that I didn't enjoy so much about the film was that I feel like it's pretty. There's there's very little ambiguity about whether or not he hit, he hit this man. Obviously, the 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 argument is about whether or not there's intent. Fair enough, but like I think it would have been better if we weren't sure if he hit the man or not. We knew we know he hits him, but we just don't know if he meant to hit him or not. And at the end of the day, the film it doesn't. I'm sorry. It matters in terms of his like reputation. In like, um, uh, and he goes on about he does go on about that. Robert Duvall's character does go on about that. But in terms of um, the actions, what happens after the verdict? It doesn't really matter because obviously he gets um, a life sentence because of manslaughter. But then he dies seven months later. So yeah, I I, I would have liked a bit more like, oh, did he actually do it, or is there was there someone else at play like? That whole, the, there was not much tension in that for me. I enjoyed the performance of um, them being in court. Um, I felt like the court case lasted, what, like a day? <laughs> if that, I, feel, I feel like a case like that would maybe last a little bit longer, but I guess not. Um, but like, there was just no tension for me. And I was ne- never, at my, I thought, I just was thinking, I'm like, this guy's going to prison. Like, based, and, he, and he wasn't helping himself because he kept admitting guilt basically mm-hmm. so it wasn't like he was even trying to stay out of prison but then he wanted to protect his legacy like what yeah. 
Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. I'm just like, this guy's going to prison regardless. So, just a matter of how fucking long. And he got can- terminal cancer. So, it doesn't, again, no, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, it, it is. There's a few kind of redemptions going on. Um, you know, Hank redeems his relationship with his ex girlfriend, essentially, Vera Farmiga's character, with his brother who he caused uh, to, you know, his promising baseball career to end because of a car crash repairs his relationship with his father. You've also got Judge Palmer coming to terms does he, with... Does he repair the relationship with his brother? They don't really, they don't really, they don't really talk about it, really. Well, you can tell he's sorry true. about it, but they don't really talk about it. True. Um, Judge Palmer, you know, coming to terms with the mistakes he made with that particular person who he ends up killing. Again, I agree with you. There's not a lot of ambiguity as to whether he did it or not. I, I also think... I. Thought he was going to get away with it, um, which in a way he sort of does because not only does he get the lesser charge, like you said, he's also dying, so he doesn't ever really get punished. And, um, you know, for someone who's is, you know, beyond reproach, you know, which is established throughout the film, he sorts of, yeah, he does get away with it quite leniently. I mean, you could argue that he dies, but that, that doesn't mean he's served his sentence for his crime mm. um, so I do you know think re- like morally and ethically it's a bit strange yeah do you know what annoyed me that he just wouldn't take Robert Downey or Hank's help to begin with mm. I was like you're going to let yourself go to prison for something you don't know whether you've done or not done I think a part of him wanted to wanted I know to but like, it was down. just frustrating because you could see but in my mind, I was like, this guy could probably get you out of going to prison and you're just literally handing police information. That, mm. that thing where he comes into the police, uh, where he comes into police station, and he's like, well, you're using this coffee cup for evidence, aren't you? And it's like, this judge should know all this shit. And he's just like, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, like, sorry. I think that, that I was going to say, I, I wanted more Billy. Bob Thornton. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with you there. Um, I was just going to say, I like the film, um, but I do think it's like 30, 35 minutes too long. Um, there is stuff definitely in there that you could have cut out. Um, I do like the love-hate relationship between Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall's characters. That's fine. But yeah, there was just there was just parts where I was thinking, like, this is dragging. Can we get to the next scene kind of thing? <laughs> like, there was bits of it I'm just like, come on, like, speed it up. Like, I felt the film felt to me longer than it was, and it's already long. It felt like it was like two hours forty-five, <laughs> and it was only two twenty. Like, um, and one one random thing that just popped into my head. Um, so Jeremy Strong plays um someone who with uh, mental disabilities. Have you ever seen a woman play? Play? Have you ever seen them play? Apart from uh, Down syndrome, have you ever seen a woman play someone with like an adult with mental uh, incapabilities? Um, I was trying to think of someone. I I've seen women with Down syndrome on on screen, but I can never think of someone who's like, you know, like like how Jamie Strong's character is. Like they say retarded. I'm not going to say that, but you know, a film which I've not seen um, with Julianne Moore and called Still Alice, and she in that film the character develops dementia, which okay. I don't know if you'd count that, but yeah, I also think there's a there's something again a bit kind of uh, distasteful about someone who is 
um, what's the term? Neuro non neurodivergent, I think is the correct way to say it now. Um, yeah. Essentially, someone who doesn't suffer from a mental impairment mm. playing someone who does. Mm. Um, again, it's sort of like they've made that choice that his his brother suffers from this, and mm. I just think like, why? You're clearly the reason that character exists is to separate, you know, to clearly demark the three brothers as one's really successful, the other could have been, but is just muddling along and the other is the complete opposite end is unsuccessful because you know you know treated like a bit like the runt of the litter and again it's a bit kind of like archetypal you know why can't all three brothers just be the same like average Mm. (laughs) Um, yeah 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 there was a little like yeah like you say like i found it a bit of a strange choice and i'll just really think like i rarely ever see women like portrayed that way on screen, I was wondering why that might be. Might be the films that I watch, but no, it's just not something so, that I see so, very regularly. Although I don't disagree with our view, so what could they have done in place to show that Robbie Robert to show that Hank had ruined his brother's life? We're talking about different brothers. Oh, you're talking about the other brother. Yeah, the one, the the, the, the mentally Dale. impaired one. Yeah, Dale. Yeah, um, isn't yeah. Dale, the, but he didn't. Robert Downey Jr. didn't ruin that brother's life. I swear did he did. That's where he caused the car crash, and that's why. Oh, is that why he's um mentally impaired? Yeah, isn't it? it? Isn't it? I don't know. I don't. I don't I, know. I don't. I didn't get oh, that. Maybe I misconstrued it. It I, might be though. It might be. I I thought that was the whole point. No, I thought it, the point of that crash was that it fucked up his brother's hand, and he and he couldn't play baseball. That's what I took from it anyway. Oh, maybe that, I'm. Dude, that's sorry. also what I took from it. I misunderstood then. Oh, my bad. I'm going to look it up. It could be um, that, though. Imagine on, if it... If, if, you never know. On um, Wikipedia, it says that Dale is autistic, so that wouldn't oh. have been caused by a car crash. Fair enough. But, uh, um, okay. I'm, I completely understood that then, that part. Oh, I don't know where I got that from. I've, I've, um, I've, I've, yeah. Sorry. I've, I've just Googled movies about female mental illness. Um, I'm just going to read out a list of them and I don't think I've seen many of them there's A Dangerous Method by David Cronenberg which focuses on female hysteria um, Spotlight falls on Psych Forefather Sigma Freud Carl Jung and has um, Kira Knightley in it uh, there's The Three Faces of Eve which is from 1957 uh, I'm not going to read all of them out um, there's Girl Interrupted which I have seen that's got Angelina Jolie and uh, Brittany Murphy that's set in like a mental hospital um, it's a good film mm. um, so there are some but not okay. tons that are particularly mainstream um, Black Swan um, I guess the, so Natalie Portman's character exhibits obsessive compulsive and schizophrenic tendencies Melancholia by Lars von Trier, which I have seen, but that's yeah, it's about obviously melancholia. Um, yeah, so not not tons. Fair enough, fair enough. I just haven't seen them, I guess. But yeah, no, the film in general, just to go so get back on track, the film in general is is good, I think, and I enjoyed I enjoyed it. Just to sum up my feelings of it, I don't have much feelings apart apart from that, apart from the fact that. Tony Stark, I mean, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. can just be successful being himself. Yes. 
Yeah. Which, last but by no means least, in our discussion this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we we said this was going to be a long one. We said this was yeah. going to be a long one, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just, just out of curiosity, out, uh, of the, out of the four that I gave you, what is your ranking of them? Good question. The Judge, The Gift... No. Hmm. The Judge, Klaus, The Gift, Ava. I would say The Gift, The Judge, Klaus, Ava. Okay. Okay. Yours? Uh, Klaus, The Gift... No, Klaus, The Judge, The Gift, Ava. <laughs> All quite different. Um... Well, we all put Ava at the bottom, didn't we? Yeah, true. <laughs> um, so the last film that we're discussing this week is the most recent, uh, which I think came out in December. It's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is a film based on an August Wilson play, as Fences was, um, which well, that was directed by Denzel Washington. I'm glad you said that, because I did get that vibe. I was thinking, this makes me think of Fences. So I'm like, uh, mm. yeah, uh, I so essentially, no idea. Is, uh, that is what a, what a connection. I had no idea about that. Mm. Ah, okay. Um, I mean, there's a uh, we'll go into it, but there's some stylistic, obviously, similarities. But yeah, based on a play by August Wilson, this one isn't directed by Denzel. It's produced by him, though. He originally had a ten-picture deal with HBO to uh, turn August Wilson's plays into films, but I think that deal has now moved to Netflix. Uh, starting with this one, My Rainey's Black Bottom. So essentially, um, it's about a, uh, I think it's blues singer called Ma Rainey, played by Viola Davis, and her kind of backing band. Um, they, it's, the setting is basically exclusively at a recording studio in Chicago. Um, and essentially, it's like the tensions between them, uh, infighting. So you've got Chadwick Boseman plays Levy Green, uh, there's also characters called Toledo, who's a pianist, Cutler, who's a guitarist, and Slow Drag, who's a double bass. So they're Ma Rainey's backing band. Um, and there's also kind of context around the exploitation of black blues singers by white producers, mm. um, which is characterized by the lead producer basically paying Levy for his lyrics and then getting a white band to record them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Chris I think you, you've you seen this most recently um, do you want to give us your thoughts on it sure um, I, I wasn't sure I wasn't sure to begin with how this film was going to go because I wasn't sure what avenue, avenue it was going down but I really like enjoyed the film it was very insightful uh, as per usual Viola Davis gave a grand performance mm. um it actually for a moment i wasn't even sure if it was her <laughs> um <laughs> the eyebrows drawn on were um yeah they just it just threw me off i wasn't sure if it was 100 percent her um i thought it was powerful in the way she spoke in the way that she said that like they don't give a shit about us they treat us like dirt so as her position in power she's going to get what she she deserves to have in terms of like them getting her a coke them giving her a studio them giving her the time that she wants not what they want thought mm. that was very powerful um 
I also was intrigued to see how the different members of the band perceive different aspects of life and mm. also their perception of how the band should work because they all have slight differences. Um, and uh, what was it? Uh, and Chadwick Boseman's character, you can, I don't know, I'm assuming due to his illness, that is why he is quite skinny in this film. Mm. Um, but again, he produced a powerful few speeches, which I then don't know if the last scene with him kind of, um, what's the word, makes them stories not redundant, but puts a question mark over some of those stories. I don't know if I was meant to lead. I don't know if that ending was meant to make me believe that he's killed someone prior, or if it was just a, a uh, just a random act of craze that made. I think it, I think it's the latter. Yeah. Okay. I think okay. he's having a breakdown. Yeah, because his stories were really powerful, and like you could see the other men then realizing, okay, we've been we've all been through a lot, but he's been through a lot, like. Mm. He's had the shit of life. Like, was it his mother and his father died? Was it? He said. Was I think his I think his dad died. His mum was raped. I think his mum still. I think his mum was. I oh, think yeah. his mum died dad, in that incident. Dad fought yeah. four people before he got killed, wasn't it? And then his mum got raped, and he didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and mm. then like obviously there's other powerful stories, like the one about the vicar. Was it vicar? Mm. Yeah, vicar. Yeah. And how he. That obviously, he had to get off the train to go toilet, and then he missed his train, and it was the only train of the day, and he waited around, and then he decided to walk up the track, because there was several white men who were obviously intending to do something bad, mm. to then them making him dance and ripping off his cross and destroying his Bible, which is just in, inhumane, unnecessary, and just not very, not not nice at all. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's a powerful film. Um, there were some um, more upbeat moments, like when the kid with the with the stutter says his line, mm-hmm. which I thought was really lovely and powerful. Um, to which then they didn't record it, but it was yeah. all accidental, wasn't it? Well, the only thing in that part that I didn't understand was, so obviously she would have kicked off, but. Mm. His, his was the only speaker that wasn't plugged in, right? So yeah, te- well, there was something wrong with it, yeah. So in technicality, they should have recorded everything else but his part, right? Mm. But made it sound like they didn't record anything, which threw me off a little bit. But mm. no, nonetheless, it was fine. I, I thought the point was that Ma Rainey wanted her nephew to get royalties from the song so yeah. if his yeah. part wasn't included then it you know he wouldn't get yeah, like royal no, not, but i'm not saying that because when when they tell them they're like oh we didn't manage to record it they they make it sound like they didn't record any of it in my opinion they made it sound like that because if that unless they're being really dumb because they could have just said they could have just carried on as if it wasn't record as if it wasn't recorded. Yeah, then she would have kicked up a stink if like, the record comes out and her nephew's bit's not on it, innit? Yeah, true, true. But, like, the way they worded it, I feel like it could have been worded a bit better because 
In, <laughs> my, in my opinion, it sounded like they hadn't recorded any of it because of this faulty microphone. And I was like, that's a bit strange. Um, I didn't really understand the relationship between the woman and Ma Rainey. Uh, she's a little eye candy, isn't it? Is she just a my candy that she likes to kiss and touch? I think so. Okay. Or like, like a little girlfriend. I assume the girl's like a, not gold digger, but like, you know, she seemed very willing to say, basically saying to Chabot Bozeman, like, when you get your money, I'll call me kind of thing. So yeah, it seems like she's kind of willing to go with whoever's got, whoever's got the most money. Yeah. I, I, I did feel really did you, did you take it as girlfriend as in like sexual girlfriend or just like friend who's girl? The mm, former. I think it's sexual girlfriend. Yeah, me too. Especially as she started kissing her on the neck. Nice. Um, <laughs> I, I did feel really sorry for Chadwick's character because obviously at the very end was a bit of a was a bit of a crushing moment because obviously yeah. he was very he was very cocky, being like, "Oh yeah, my songs are going to be released. It doesn't matter what this woman says to me because I'm going to do what I can. I know I can do the best." And then like not. Only one does she stop him from singing the song the way he wants. She uh, she then fires him in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, she kind of like disrespects him a little bit. Uh, even, she compliments everyone and disrespects him. Mm-hmm. She obviously doesn't like him very much anyway because of his. Because I think he's like it's almost like he's trying to steal her light. He doesn't toe the line. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then she fires him. Then he goes and wants to get his songs played, and he and the guy won't pay it. Play him, mm-hmm. but. He, but he would pay him, but won't pay for him to sing it. Mm. And then he kills someone, which is mm. just like so many different, so many emotions are going through in this film. It's kind mm-hmm. of it's crazy, like for that one character. Um, but yeah, um, I thought yeah. it was really good. Sorry, I, I've just rambled on about no. every single thing. No, it's, so. it's good. It's good. You could, uh, you, yeah, it's a good account of the film. Um, I, I did also like most of it uh, I thought the performances partic- all round were good but particularly Chadwick Boseman which again knowing now how ill he was at the time mm. like I think adds an extra layer to his performance you're like he did all of that performance whilst you know towards the end of his life mm. um, I there's yeah there's a cruel irony when you know obviously Levy has a big impassioned speech about how he's been wronged by white people before and how he won't allow that to happen again um, but then by the end of it he does get fucked over by the uh, the producer mm. um, I understand where the motivation for him stabbing Toledo to kind of death comes from but I did I found it so out of keeping with the rest of the film I agree. that I didn't like it yeah. Um, I mean, essentially, yes, he gets fucked over from his songs. Toledo steps on his new shoots and he then stabs him. Like, if they just had an argument and they'd left, you know, not friends, I would that would have been, up to me, a much better resolution. But the fact that he stabs him, I was just like... I think it is like... Lost. I, I... No, sorry, I don't interrupt you. Continue, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, it just... If they hadn't included that bit, I would a lot higher on the film than I am um, I again I think I had the same sort of mild criticism for Fences in the way that essentially it is just shot like a play I know it is based on a play but they don't really do anything different with the medium of being a film um, mm. you know 
I feel like I wanted more scenes when they're in the club. You know, there's right beginning when Ma Rainey's singing in one of the clubs or like mm. a music hall, or whatever. I wanted more of that. I would have quite liked to see them on tour and you can mm. still have the conflict kind of behind the scenes. Um, the, the, the parts I enjoyed was their kind of arguing, but also when they were performing. And I think they could have maybe blended that a bit more. Mm. Um, I also think we didn't get enough Viola Davis. Um, mm. She had quite a minor part considering her character is the eponymous character. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's I did I did enjoy the film. Um, but yeah, I just think if you're going to basically film a play, um, you know, maybe try and make it a bit more filmic. But that's my opinion. Um. And not just that, you know that last scene, obviously, like, he kills him. Um, and I did think that was really out of context. And that's why I was kind of a bit alluded to maybe there there was a bit more context to his previous stories. But obviously, the time in which it's set, there probably isn't more context than what he said. Um, I feel like he could have just, I feel like they tried to build up to that moment with obviously him getting out the knife pr- previously. But it wasn't enough to incite a death in that moment. But... Um, I feel like he could have just threatened him with a knife and that would have been enough, me personally. Mm. But yeah. Anyway, Obes, please. Um, just to... So I'll talk about what I think about the film quickly. Just to go off on your point you just said just now, Chris. Um, I do agree. Um, but I would have even gone to a different step and stay, instead of him just threatening him with a knife, I think they could have gotten to a fight and maybe he just punched him and then Toledo falls awkwardly and that kills him. I think that would have been a better uh, ending or if they're going to do that, I think that would have been a better way for it to happen rather than him just getting out the knife and stabbing him. Um, I do think it was just kind of like he was having a mental breakdown and it was just to have something happen in a, a moment of madness, um, which obviously I imagine a lot of people could probably relate to. You just do something without thinking and then you don't realise the magnitude of what you've done until after you've done it. Um, so, yeah, I like the film as well. Um, I like it quite a lot. I think that this film upsets me because um, Chadwick Boseman is so talented. <laughs> so, so talented. And it, it, it's a shame that he won't get to... We won't get to see that on screen in anything in anything new ever again. Obviously, a shame that, you know... He, lo- he unfortunately lost his life, but also a shame that he won't get to see his talents anymore on screen. Um, but he, in particular, I think was was superb. And I, I'm, um, I'm different to you, Gannett, in that I like when films feel like plays because I like plays. Um, and I think in those settings is when you get the best acting, like acting, acting. Like I think that so that, um, that people get to show their range better in settings like that um which i which i really enjoy um i think i agree with you when you say viola davis isn't in the film enough um doesn't have enough lines um but i like her character and i like how like chris was saying like she's basically not willing to take any any shit from these white men because as soon as she's not useful to them anymore they'll dump her like yesterday's news and she knows that so she's going to take everything she can from these people because they're going to take everything they can from her so it should be a 50-50 50-50 uh, deal agreed um, I think Viola Davis's commitment <laughs> to the role is do you guys know Ma, Ma Rainey's a real, a real a real person 
I didn't yeah. until the end. Yeah, me neither. Um, so yeah, it shows Bia Davis's commitment to the role. She apparently she put on sixty pounds, which is the equivalent of like four and a half stone to, oh, four and a bit stone, I think, to play the character of Ma Rainey, who was quite a bigger lady, and Bia Davis is quite slender. Um, so that I think the weight that she looks like she has in that film is all genuine weight, not like um, uh, fat suits or anything like that. That's mad. You could have just worn that suit. I know. <laughs> I know. This woman is committed to her role. She is so powerful when she gives like a speech. Mm. I think it's. I think it's. It's Matt Wise. Yeah. Well, good. It's so mm. good. Mm. I um. Sorry again. Sorry, Gong. No, no, I think I'm sort of jumping ahead a bit, but I I do think um there'll be at least two Oscar nominations for this film. Um, I agree. I think I think Chadwick should get one, and I think. Um, even if he hadn't passed away, he would have deserved it. I know there's sometimes, you know, when people pass away, um, people kind of use that to say, oh, well, they only got it because they died or, you know, mm. their performance is elevated because they died. But I think regardless, mm. his performance is good enough to warrant a nom. And I think Viola Davis will as well. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. It, it is a real shame that he's passed because his performances have been very, very good. Uh, I look forward to. I'm gonna watch some more of his films. I think if they're about, I'll watch them. There's some of them on Netflix. But um, yeah. just to continue what I was saying, um, the monologues that I felt. So I think three characters got no four characters got monologues. I think Toledo got one. Charlie Boseman got a couple. Uh, Cutler got one. Bio Davis got one. Um, they were all. I think when people talk for long amounts of time. Um, and it captures your attention for the whole amount of time. That's a sign of good acting. Um, mm. And I enjoyed all of them and the context of the story in, in implying in applying it to um, what was happening in the film. I found it really interesting in the conversation that uh, about Chadwick Boseman, Levy's character, his lack of faith in God, and uh, basically as he's drawing the knife out and fighting colour, he says he's like talking to God, saying, like, I dare you to turn your back on me. I dare you to turn your back on me. You're a coward, etc., etc. And then, from that moment on, God, well, you, you can say it's God, you can say it's, you know, obviously his, people would interpret it as God's will, some people would interpret it as something else, um, just that things that happen. But, from that point on, things do go pretty badly for him. So, like, like Chris said, like... Think of that, that's mad. Well, like, that's the thing, he loses his job, he loses the songs, he kills somebody, it's like... I'm curious to know if that Larry character is an actual person in real life, and if that actually, if that murder actually happens. I don't know, but um, yeah, and I just thought that was just really interesting how that like they don't beat you over the head a bit, but I think that's how it can be inferred as um, him his lack of faith in in religion leading to um, a downturn in what happened in his life compared to the start of the film when he's like on top of the world basically, like no one can tear him down. That's um, interesting because I basically had the opposite reading of that. I read it, and this is because I'm not a religious person, whereas you are. Is I was like, well, this proves that he's turned his back on. <laughs> like God either doesn't exist or has turned his back on. Mm. Levy. But again, you know, again, that, that is purely informed by our own yeah thoughts on it, religion. It says Levy's a fictional character, by the way. Oh, okay, that's a shame. Well, it's not a shame, but it would have been. Uh, it says, uh, virtuoso trumpet player Levy as he clashes with Maya and her producer. Uh, 
And although Levy is a completely fictional character, his story echoes the very real experiences of many black musicians during the 1920s. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, like, I think the whole bit about um, with the producer stealing his songs, I think you could just you could just tell that was going to happen. Um, that something like, like he wasn't going to get his his dues, basically he wasn't going to get his big break. And like the way they seal it at the end with the the white band, the all white band playing his song, I was just like, oh fuck these. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my days, that annoyed me so much. So um, yeah, they did a good job there of like intensing a bit of a bit of rage in me. Um, but yeah, it, overall, um, I really enjoyed the film. I do agree with Glenn that maybe they didn't have to do it all in that one setting, uh, in that one afternoon. Maybe they could have had like a stuff on tour or whatever. But um, I did enjoy what we got. I found one scene particularly not weird, but like you know when they go to get the coke and they walk into the the shop and the Polish shop and there's just loads of white people staring at them and then it just cuts and we don't see anything else from that. I wonder if there was like a scene later that continued and it, it got cut maybe. Mm. Um, so that was a bit a bit strange, but yeah, overall, I I'd got Chris. So I was gonna say no, go and say your overall and then I'll um, say my part. I was like, overall, I I enjoyed it. Out of the films that we've watched um, this this period, this little period, I, that's the one that I enjoyed the most. Um, and yeah, it's it's when I see films that um, that are portrayed in this way, where characters can go on like long monologues and stuff like that. I think I really enjoy those types of that type of um, entertainment. I think it speaks to how I rate somebody as an actor. Basically, like, can you keep me engaged in this five-minute-long speech? That's it. Yeah, I think the speeches are really engaging. I really like, like, because I remember a lot of those speeches, so I think they're really powerful in the films. But um, I was going to say, like, um, obviously, like, it's it's a piss take at the end when the guy's got the white band playing Levy's song. But do you feel like? Uh, Rainey, um, Ma Rainey doesn't want Levy's song to be there because he's like lost a bit of their a bit of culture with the way he's saying singing and saying the song. He's like tried to make it a bit more what people more a wider variety of people would like. Or do you think it's just purely because she doesn't want him to change her song? I think it's a bit of both. I think it is. They are in even the band. They're all the band plus Marrani. I think they are all much older than than um, than Levy. So I think they think this is the way that blues is supposed to sound. This is the way that blues is always going to be. So this is how we're going to record it. I think yeah. there's that aspect of it. I think there's also another aspect of it where it's just a control issue. And Marrani's like, I'm the leader of this band. It is Marrani's band. You will not come and change one of my songs that I wrote. So I think there's a control issue there as well. Okay. Okay. It's a very good film, by the way. I don't know if I said this, so I really enjoyed it as a film, not mm. the bad stuff, <laughs> but I enjoyed it as a film. Mm. Yeah, I, I would like to see more of these August Wilson plays turned into films, but I just do think, like, I don't have a problem with the monologues or anything like that. Um, <coughs> as you say, it kind of showcases really good acting. I just do think, like, with the one setting, which obviously Fences was pretty much just one setting, and this was just as well like that is very much a play which mm. again i don't have a problem with but i just think when you put something onto film um and th- 
it's different if you are literally recording a play on film, but this is not. I think you might as well make the most of the medium you have. Mm. And like I said, you could have had this, these conflicts and these monologues spread across them going on tour. Um, or, you know, I, I don't know. That's just me personally, but I just think, I didn't, I just think that would have, for me, made it better. But again, for you or anyone else, it might have been, might have been the opposite. So that's just my thoughts. I did really like this film. Um, I do think even, even in a non-COVID Oscar ceremony, I think it would have done well. Um, I do think that this year, sort of like when Liverpool won the title, it's going to be, oh, you won the Oscar, but you won it during COVID when yeah. barely anything was released. But yeah. I do think, regard, irrespective of that, I think Chadwick's performance in any other year would deserve. I think it'll win. Yeah. I think it'll win. I think it'll be between him and, do you remember, um, what's, uh, sorry, the Five Bloods, uh, Del Rey Lindo. I think it'll be between them two, their mm. characters. Those two films. Yeah. Anything, any other, anything else? This has been a long episode, man. I know. This is probably our longest ever episode. Fucking free um, out, please. We wow. did, we did have a very long MCU special. Oh yeah. I think I that was almost the length of the game. Mm. I don't know if this I don't know if this exceeds it. This is like three hours. This is mad long. <laughs> but good. Good discussion, so yes. no drama. Well, what about next time? So for the next episode, um I think we should all watch Outside the Wire. Um because you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, because I've already seen it. <laughs> and oh, it start. has just come out. Um also, One Night in Miami, that's another recent one. I think Oscar contendery, yeah, like potentially, I've heard. Um, so, watch those. And then, I guess we'll just chat uh, during the week about what else. But, um, yeah, good choices, Chris. Uh, I'm zero, zero for two, I guess, on stinkers. Uh, <laughs> so, I would try and think of some better ones. To watch. Actually, don't take Outside the Wire as my recommendation, please. I don't, I don't want that against my name. I don't want that against my name. Um, <laughs> Take some accountability. But, no. It's Netflix is for uh, funding these films. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if listeners, you've got any comments on the films we've discussed or our discussion of WandaVision or uh, the Captain America versus Batman trilogy, tweet us at YC Podcast 17. We're also on Instagram, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, under your average critics. In the section. Thank <laughs> you.